Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I, I want us to, um, to, to look together at the Psalms, uh, three Psalms actually, and, and focus on hope and uh, praise and those two things. Because um, to be totally honest, there's a lot of things that are going on at the moment that might cause us to lose hope, that will stretch our faith, and that sometimes even call us to maybe question God's love, God's care. There's lots of things going on, things going on in the country, things going on in the world, and things going on far closer to home, to the news that we received last week about our beloved friend and brother, Steve Peake, passing away was a shock for us. Um, There's other challenges that are going on that we'll, we'll talk about later, but in it all, God wants us, above all else, to put our hope in him and to praise him. And actually, those things are a choice. Both of those things are a choice. There are some things that seem to be out of our control, but there are some things we have entirely every bit of control over, and that's putting our hope in him and praising him. They're decisions that we make. And there are lots of things that will cause us to need to deepen our love, to build our hope, and to increase our faith. To deepen our love, build our hope, and increase our faith. And when challenges and adversity come, conversing a little bit with Chris yesterday in, in, in WhatsApp messages, he's such an encouragement in messaging and asking how my preps go in, praying for me, because he doesn't want to waste 30 minutes sitting there listening to me. Um, <laughs> And just in talking about how faith, hope, and love interact with one another, and just thinking this, you know, when when challenges come, we think, oh, I need more faith, but actually what we really need to do is draw closer to God and know his love. And as we draw closer to him, our hope is built, and because of that, we have something to have faith in. And uh, that's why I want to particularly look at at praise and hope today and and see how those things will all interact uh, with one another. So Hot Rock Five are in today, which is great. Uh, I'm just going to pray and commit our time. And what we're going to do after I've shared is we're going to respond in, in praise and actively apply some of the things um, here in the room together this morning. Just so you know the plan. So Holy Spirit, we just um, 100% right now acknowledge our need for you. Absolutely 100% need you, Holy Spirit. If you're not with us, we may as well go home. If you're not with us, we may as well go to a car boot sale or do something else with our time. But Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us. As we've worshipped Jesus, you love to flood that place where there's worship and praise, where people are devoted to God. You love to fill that place. And we ask that you'd fill each life, fill every heart, I pray, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh right now, I pray. Even now, cause us to have a fresh hope that we would be those who overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, this morning we pray for your blessing among us. And we just ask that you'd anoint this time together in your name. Jesus, amen. So we're going to look at hope and praise. And um, <clears throat> one of the things that Roger shared with us, which I've really appreciated, is about building hope. He said, I can't increase your faith, but I can build your hope. And without any hope, there's no faith. There's nothing for faith to latch on to. And so I'm hoping to build our hope this morning and, and, and for us to respond in praise. So um, hope and praise and how they interact. Firstly, hope. There's some definitions going up on the screen. So hope is this certain, confident expectation of good. 
And it's based on the fact that we know who God is, that God is almighty, God is good, and therefore we can have a confident assurance that the plans he has for us are good. And I can expect things to go well for me today and in the future. Gives me a confident assurance and expectation. God, you are good. And you love me with an unfailing love. And therefore, I can put my confident trust and hope in you. And then praise. And one of the the main words that we have in the Old Testament for praise is hallel, from which we get hallelujah, praise God, praise Yahweh. And that word hallel is to celebrate and to shout out. But the word I'm going to look at today is the word yada. Now, if you watch Seinfeld, this isn't the yada, yada, yada. It's nothing to do with blah, blah, blah. This is a word in its own right that's far older than Seinfeld. And it means to cast before God, to throw out, to confess, and to throw our hands out before him. In fact, the word yad is to open your hands. And the, word, and the part ah is the Yahweh part. So it's uh, to open our hands before God and offer him thanksgiving and also just to surrender to him. Yada. Why don't you yada with me? Yada. To cast out and to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, thank you. It's an expression of praise. You know, to raise our hands isn't a charismatic thing that kind of, you know, makes you look more spiritual. It's a sign, isn't it, of saying, Lord, here's everything. Lord, I need you. Lord, thank you. There's so much we express with our hands that reveals something that's going on in our hearts. And it's a very biblical thing to do. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at hope and praise and how they interact, particularly in relation to a couple of the Psalms um, that I'm going to read f- uh, from today and we're going to read through together. And the wonderful thing about the Psalms is they're just so brutally honest, aren't they? The psalmist is a lot more honest than a lot of Christians I know, including myself sometimes. Sometimes the psalmist says, Lord, I am rubbish. And you'd, I, immediately somebody would shut you down, wouldn't they? You're not rubbish. You're a child of God. And he's throwing things around. But the psalmist is saying, I feel this way. God, we can't hide anything from him. We want to present and project this, I'm okay, I'm overcoming, I'm more than a conqueror. Yes, we are, but there's challenges, there's difficulties, there's circumstances that really knock us, that really affect us emotionally. And the Psalms are so honest about those things. There are so many parts of our Bibles that are lamentations. There's a whole book named after it, for goodness sake, about expressing our heartache and the suffering and the challenging and the difficulties and the injustice that we see around us and saying, God, where are you in this? Do you know it's totally legitimate to talk to God like that? As long as we're willing to listen to what he has to say, which is what Habakkuk does. But God wants us to come to him with our challenges, to come warts and all, and say, Lord, this is where I'm at. Getting heckled now by Amelie, but she's too cute for me to shut her down, so. And you know, when I talk about hope and praise, sometimes we rightly think about, well, what does that mean for me? How does that help me? What does that do for me? But I want to turn that around today and say, this is all about what it does for God. Not, Lord, what do you want to do for me? Lord, what can I do for you? Isn't that a great question to ask him? Uh, There's a famous quote, if you could put the next slide up, by this man. You might recognize him. John F. Kennedy, JFK, in his inauguration as President of America, 
20th of January, 1961, he said this, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. It was a call to civic action. It was a call to public service. It's a powerful question, isn't it? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you could do for your country. JFK, 20th January, 1961. Well, there's a quote from RDJ, 19th of June, 2022. <laughs> it's not my inauguration. But I want, to ask, I want to say this. Ask not what your God can do for you. Ask what you can do for your God. Ask not what your God can do for you. Ask what you can do for your God. RDJ. My middle name's David, by the way. I mean, and my last name's Jones, if you don't know, is obvious, isn't it? And, um, and just for us to, to say this, that when we put our hope in God, and when we praise God, we do something that he desires. We do something that pleases him. We do something that he wants from us. He wants us to hope in him, and he wants us to praise him. In fact, he deserves our hope, and he deserves our praise. Does he not? Yes, he does. And rather than saying, Lord, as I do these things, what will it do for me? It's saying, Lord, above all else, all that matters is what this does for you. Let my life bless you. Let our praise worship you. Sometimes, you know, we come away from a Sunday and, and kind of think about the time of worship and, and pastorally you look and you think, I wonder what this has done for the church. And that's a great question and it's a legitimate question, but the more important question is, Lord, what did our time of worship do for you? Was it what you wanted? Was it what you wanted? And hope and praise help us to make that shift to say, Lord, I'm doing this because this is what you want. Yeah. Ask, I'm asking, Lord, not what you can do for me, but what I can do for you. Yeah. So we're going to read through Psalm 33, Psalm 42, and Psalm 43 together. Right. And uh, the words are going to be up on the screen. That's not to put anybody off opening their Bible. Please, by all means, do that. It's just from a New Living Translation, so we'll, we'll read through these verses together. And, and, and above all else, one of the things I really wanted us to do today was read the Scripture publicly. Good. Just listen to the Word and give the word an opportunity to minister to us because the word will carry a lot more revelation than I can bring. What the Holy Spirit wants to say to you through the reading of the word could be all that's needed this morning. So please don't dismiss this as me kind of trying to lay down some things I want to get some points out of. My prayer is that as we read these verses, these, some of these things are relevant to you and for you to think about how they are relevant to you at this time. What do you relate to the psalmist? What do you relate to about your revelation of God and who he is? What, what, what's important for us this morning to take so that as we respond in worship, we can give to God everything he wants, but we know as well that God is so generous, he wants to move and minister to us as well as we worship and praise him and put our trust and hope in him. So Psalm 33, the words are going to go up on the screen. It says, Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. I don't know how many strings Judith had on her harp the other night. It was more than ten, though, no? in the fire. We do actually have a harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true. And we can trust everything he does. He loves he loves whatever is just and good. 
The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord. Let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people are his chosen inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts, so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory for all its strength. It cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Isn't that a wonderful psalm? Now that is a psalm of praise to God that is restoring hope. A psalm of praise. As we praise, hope is restored. As we praise God, hope is restored. And it's a very corporate psalm. Towards the end, you'll notice it's let us that we will. It's a corporate psalm of praise to God that's unlocking and restoring hope. As we begin to think about who God is, as we begin to think about what he's like, what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, how he relates to us now. That's all of those things the psalmist is, is picking up through this beautiful psalm. And it culminates in this, in, in the light of all of those things. God, my hope is in you. Yes. Not only that, God, I can say this confidently. Our hope yes. is in you. There's a part, an exchange where it's, God, our hope is in you. And then it's, let us. Come on, we can do this. And then our hope is in you, God. That's why it's so important that we gather, because as we gather together, we can speak to him and we can encourage one another to draw on him, to worship him, to give him praise. Psalm 42 and 43. And Roger Aubrey, when he was with us, actually referred to these psalms in his Saturday morning session and he reminded us or told us that these, are, uh, these two psalms really are one psalm. And in there is, is a, a refrain that we read three times through these two chapters that, all, that talks about hope and praise. So Psalm 42, as the deer longs for stream of wa- streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. 
I walked among the crowds of worshippers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Wow, how much does that sum ebb and flow? God, you're great. It's awful. Where are you? Lord, you're amazing. Lord, it's so bad. I don't know where you are. Why are you? Why so cast that? I want to just pick up a few things from these two um, sets of Psalms that just, I hope, will help us in our, in our response to him today. And there's that, this virtuous uh, cycle, if you pop the next slide up for us, which is praise restoring hope and hope releasing praise. And these two things, almost it doesn't matter which one you do first, because one builds the other, or feeds into the other, and produces the other. And in fact, we'll see that at the end of Psalm 43. That's kind of where the psalmist gets to at the end of Psalm 43. There's praise and hope, and hope releases praise. And so there's this, there's this wonderful um, flow, this virtuous cycle. But firstly, this, going back to Psalm 33, and um, I just want to say this about praise, and why it's important that we decide to do it, is that praise is prophetic. To praise God is a prophetic thing. And we said that word yada. That word yada is used in 2 Chronicles 20. And if you're not familiar with the story, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. They're facing opposition from surrounding enemy forces that are far greater than them. And they're in big trouble. And you know you're in big trouble when your king stands up in front of you all and says, praise this prayer. Lord, we don't know what to do. That's the last thing you want to hear from your king. Lord, I am got a Scooby-Doo. But we look to you for help. Isn't that a wonderful but? <laughs> I want to say that again. Um, but there's this amazing transformation, Lord. I haven't got a clue. I am lost. Yada. But Lord, I'm looking to you for help. And then an instruction comes from a man in the congregation who brings the prophetic word. And he says this. Send out the worshippers. 
Get the musicians out in front of the army, and all the musicians are so blessed by that. Send them out in front, maybe they'll tire the enemy out first. It's very hard to kill somebody who's carrying a tuba. But send, it, send them out. And have them say this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. That word give thanks is yada. And as they yada, what happens? God routes the enemy. God routes the enemy. Why? Because praise is prophetic. They didn't praise after the victory. They praised and it led to a victory. They didn't give thanks to God when they, he'd shown himself to be faithful to them. They gave God thanks for his faithfulness and then they saw his faithfulness work out for them. And that's why praise is so important. That we praise in spite of. I'll praise when things are good. No, Lord, I will praise you in the sun and the rain. We just sing it. It's the shout of victory before the walls of Jericho collapse. It's with the shout and then the walls come down. It's not the walls come down and we shout. Praise is prophetic. And it's powerful because it puts our focus and emphasis not on the enemy, but on the one who defeats the enemy. On our God. On Jesus Christ. On everything that he's done. And then that's what the psalmist does. In verse 4, if you put the, back to the Psalm 33 for me, Pete, please. We've got this, this praise. So the first three verses, by the way, there's all sorts of stuff going on here. There's singing, there's shouting, there's playing music well, there's exclamations of shout, and there's that verse two, praise the Lord is the yada. The yada. Praising God. Throwing everything out before him. Giving thanks to him, worshipping him. And then, and then it starts to talk, the psalmist starts to talk about some things. And firstly it's this. What is God like? Not, what is he like? No, what is God like? Who is he? What's his character? What's his nature? Who is he in himself? Ontologically. Who is God? And we read about the things of who God is. That he's true to his word. We can trust everything he does. That he loves things that are just and good. Justice and righteousness are the foundation of his throne. That he's a God of unfailing love that fills the earth. That's who he is. That's who we sing to. That's who he is. And then we think about what he's done, not just his character, but creation. Says so the Lord merely spoke. <laughs> the Lord merely spoke. Hebrews 11:3 says that by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed by at God's, God's command. And essentially that which we now see came out of something that is unseen. As we believe that, God, you created everything, then is there anything he can't do? So we believe in creation. So important we know that God created everything. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, the, the, the kind of description that somehow we hear by chance and, it's, and that, that, that lie will just rob us of the power of God and the love of God and also the purpose of God. But as we come back to this, we write, Lord, you just spoke. And the heavens were created. You didn't even get your hands dirty till he made us. Everything else was spoken. So only when you formed Adam, you compressed him out of the dust that your hands got involved. Everything else was by your word. And even when you formed him out of the dust, you still breathed into him, your life. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. And then we look at what he's doing. 
And boy, do we need to look at what God is doing rather than what's going on in the world. And maybe we turn a blind eye to these things, but we look at what's going on in the nation and protests and concerns about all the things that are happening in the economy and the recession and all of the bad news in this country. And then only just a little further afield, everything that's going on between the Ukraine and Russia and far beyond that as well. There's such unrest and turmoil, isn't there? That we could get so easily lost in this. But it says this. It says that the Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all of their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Not just who he is, not just what he's done, but what he's doing. And what he's going to do. His plans are unshaken. We can trust him. And then here's the thing about what we can do for God. Verse 13, verse 14, verse 18. They all talk about God looking, observing, and watching. God looks, God observes, and God watches. There's a wonderful scripture in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says this, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to tell people off. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to find all the naughty people and zap them immediately. No, the eyes of the Lord. Do you know what God is looking for? God is looking for faith. God is looking for people who are totally intending to put their commitment in him, to trust in him, to put their hope in him. Why? So he can strengthen you. Isn't that amazing? God is looking, he's scanning, he's scouring. He's trying to find those who trust in him, whose hearts are fully committed to him because he says, there he is, Russ Hawkins. Strength. Be strengthened. He's a big dollop of strength. That's what God is looking for. Who needs strength this morning? It's fine if you need strength. It's not, I mean, unless you, can't live, you need so much strength you can't even get your arm up. That's probably a cruel question, isn't it? Here's the thing, if our hearts are fully committed to him, if we put our hope in him, if we praise him, he is so good, we please him, but here's what he does, receive strength. Isn't that amazing? What a promise, what a description of the heart of God, fully committed to him. Talking about God hope, Bible hope, not natural hope, not talking about horses or warriors or treasuries or armories, we're talking about the living God who created everything. That's where our hope is. That's where the psalmist gets to. God is looking for those who fear him. God is looking for those who rely on his unfailing love because he wants to rescue them. He wants to sustain them. He wants to feed them. He wants to strengthen them. God is looking at this room this morning and he's looking for those who are fully committed in their hearts to trust him. To say afresh, Lord, my hope is in you. God, I praise you. Yada. And he's so good that he pours his strength in just where it's needed. I think in the light of what happened with Steve for the family, that's our prayer this morning. Because I know Christine has been saying this, we trust God. Katie has said this, we trust God. And my prayer is for Christine, for Katie, for Paul, for Christopher, for Charlotte, for the family, that they find trust and hope in God again. Because as they do that, I know he is and he will strengthen them. He's strengthened them and he will strengthen them. If you're facing challenges this morning, 
I know there are health challenges. I know there might be challenges around work pressures. Or you might just be feeling drawn on by lots of things around you, under pressure or dry. And we'll get to this in a moment. God is looking this morning, just saying this. All I'm asking you to do is fully trust in me. Put your hope in me. Praise me. And he'll meet us right there. We'll please him and he blesses us. And then Psalm 42. Just going to move through these fairly quickly, but... For me, as I read through these verses, and this isn't to limit the Psalms to these three things, but I believe that the Psalmist, this is much more personal because prior to this, as we've already mentioned, that, that there's this, this sense of our hope is in you alone. This is the end of Psalm 33. And then there's this, he's our help. In him, our hearts rejoice. We trust in his name. There's this corporate declaration of what we're doing. And then lastly, our hope is in you. There's a, a, we're in this together and God, we're speaking to you together. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we're doing today. But there's also power in us just doing that in our own hearts, in our own time, personally. And instead of praise restoring hope, this is hope releasing praise. For me, the psalmist is facing, he's in exile. You know, for, for this individual to be at the temple, to be in Jerusalem on Mount Zion at the temple of God was to be close to the presence of God. And therefore to be, be able to relate to him. I'm so glad we don't have to do that anymore. Jesus says God is looking for worshippers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Not about mountains. It's just about spirit and truth. But here for this individual, they are an exile. They're being moved away from Jerusalem for whatever reason. And it's breaking their hearts. And the first place they find themselves in is a desert Desperate for water, like a deer panting for the water. So their soul longs. They're in a desert place. Has anybody ever felt dry? Brenda Owen, I see that hand. <laughs> yeah, has anybody ever felt dry? Spiritually dry? Or just, oh Lord, I just feel dehydrated in every possible way. Just feel crusty. Like a human raisin. Like a desiccated believer. <laughs> Dryness comes. And it can come through all sorts of different reasons. Sometimes we just feel drained by pressures, by health challenges. Sometimes it's because we neglect our relationship with Him, if we're honest. That's not always the reason. I know in my own life I've felt dry spiritually. And at times it's because I've just not been spending time there. I've not put in first other things, have crept in and I've prioritized them over my relationship with Him. And he doesn't say, well, work your way back and we'll, we'll get it sorted. As soon as I turn back to him, he restores our soul. He ministers to my soul. Or just that I realize that I've been striving and doing things in my own effort. And I'm not sinning. I'm just trying really hard. But actually, I've just drained. I come to him and he doesn't say, well, it serves you right. He just fills us. Rivers of living water begin to overflow again. Just to encourage you today, this morning, if you feel there's a lack Lack of health, lack of provision, lack of peace, lack of joy, lack of just a spiritual closeness with him. For whatever reason, praise him this morning. Choose to put your hope in him this morning. As we worship in a moment, please do those things. And you'll know an impartation of the spirit. And then it kind of shifts from the sublime to the ridiculous because he's not in a desert anymore. Now he's in a deluge. He used to be dry, now he's drowning. And he's moving away, he's in the north, the northeast 
Mount Hermon and, and this Mount Mizar, which is mysterious. Nobody quite knows what it is, but he's probably near the coast and you can hear the crashing waves and he's just feeling further and further away from God and he's feeling inundated. Has anybody here ever felt inundated with just pressures, stress, exams if you're in college or tests if you're in school? I remember when I was, I think I was about 10 years old, every Friday our teacher used to make us do spelling and, um, and times table and she would randomly pick people in the class to stand up and test you in front of the whole class. And I remember getting really stressed out about that. I remember feeling like it was a deluge and I remember talking to my parents about it and them just saying, just, let's just pray about it. And it, it just shifted rather than me trying really hard, just the peace of God came into that situation. I was only 10, but we've got 10-year-olds in this room. 10-year-olds face pressure yeah. and challenge. But we come to God. And we, I know there are people here who are caring for others and supporting others. And sometimes that can feel like a pressure. It might be aging parents. It might be those who have, um, who have disabilities. It might be friends who are going through challenges and sickness. All sorts of different things that can feel like a pressure. Busyness in work. But here's the thing. The psalmist says, Lord, there's a deluge at the moment. I feel like I'm drowning. But Lord, I'm going to respond in this way and say, Lord, let your love be a deluge. Let that wash over me. Let that be what I experience. Psalm 30, uh, 42 verse 8, Each day the Lord pours his unfailing love on me. Each night I sing his songs. God, you're my rock. And then he said, but Lord, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around? And here we have this on and off, this challenge that we face. We know what's right and we declare it and sometimes we still struggle, but we keep on going, we keep on hoping, we keep on praising. I could ask the singers and the musicians to come back to the stage. The last thing is disgrace. Desert, deluge, and disgrace. There's opposition, there's persecution. Being mistreated because of their faith and their trust in God. In fact, that question keeps coming up time and again. Saying, why do you trust in the Lord? Where is this God of yours? And again, the psalmist comes back and says, Lord, I'm going to choose to do something. If you could put Psalm 43, verse 4 up for us, please. Could I ask that we stand together just for a moment? This is my prayer, verse 3. It's up on the screen there. Person is facing opposition. We've we've had the desert and the dryness, we've had the deluge and the flood and the pressures, and we've had the disgrace, the persecution, the opposition. And we talked earlier about things going on in the nation, in the nations, and in our own lives. And in it all, God's heart is that we make this our prayer, Lord, to send out your light and truth and let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live, the presence of God. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning, whatever's going on, Lord, I pray and as aware of health challenges right now. Lord, I pray, let your light, Lord. Let your light and your truth lead and guide. Lead them to you, to the place where you live, to your presence, Lord. Then verse 4 says this, There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. And here we have it. I will yada. I will praise you, my God. 
that decision, that choice to praise. And as this individual says, Lord, I'm going to praise you, what happens next? That as he praises, hope is restored. The next verse says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. And as he puts his hope in God, what happens? Praise is released. God, I will yadda you. I will praise him again. My Savior and my God. My Savior and my God. I'm going to ask the, just the musicians to, to sing and play this song. But just in our own hearts right now. Just to consider the various things that are happening in our lives and around us. To, to do that for a moment and then to say, Lord, now I'm turning my thoughts to you. And I'm choosing this morning to put my hope in you again today. And I'm choosing this morning to praise you again today. That's our heart response this morning, Lord. Lord, not what you will do for us, but Lord, what we can do for you this morning. And thank you that as we do that today, you will pour in everything that's needed. Your strength, your provision, your life, your goodness. That hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.